Tootin makes Chivison cranky. This week, darn tootin' we're scootin' towards lower transit fines. Plus, we'll have updates on the Wem Footbridge and the Terwilliger Drive Expressway. Hi, I'm Troy. I'm Mac. And we're Speaking, Speaking Municipally. Municipally. Welcome back to Speaking Municipally, episode 54. It's going to be the last Speaking Municipally of summer. We're going to transition into fall. Is that official now? Uh, yeah, I believe it's the 23rd is the first day of fall. Nothing really changes Council already took their summer break. They're already back into it. It's not like the legislature where they sit for like, what is it, six days a year. We will have Speaking Municipally to get you through the entire winter, cuddle up by the fire, and listen to Mac and Troy rant about City Council. I like it. And the first component of the rant is always the rapid fire segment. After spending $100,000 to install a plastic red brick veneer onto the crosswalks on 124th Street, they're now being removed a year later at a cost of $40,000. The city, which has a departmental no-book-learning policy, believed that we were the first city in the world to ever install a differently colored crosswalk, so laminating the streets with a cheap plastic was absolutely necessary to determine the viability of the idea. After the cheaply installed and junky-looking material failed earlier than expected, the city was forced to throw up their arms, completely baffled about how they could possibly make walking safer on 124th Street. The next brainstorming discussion is planned for this winter during All is Bright, when there are tens of thousands of pedestrians and no road closures, which the city hopes will lead to a lot of really valuable data points on where and how people get hit by drivers. Portions of the Valley Line will be undergoing 24 by 7 construction for the next eight weeks, as TransEd tries to catch up and get back on target for a December 2020 opening. While TransEd hasn't confirmed to what extent the line will be delayed, A recent report suggested that the line could open as many as 13 months late. This drew some bitterness from the mayor of Edmonton, who commented, quote, at this point, from my view, it's not going well, end quote. He mentioned that the construction impacts on traffic had been starting to create some pretty negative feedback and cautioned that if there are too many issues, the city may have to revisit the idea of having LRT in the city. Some were worried that the city had cocked up when it was discovered that only three new coupes had been approved this summer after council removed the 50 license cap for urban hens. But the city, egging potential applicants on, insists that the lengthy application process is for the good of the hens. There are now 27 prospective applicants waiting to recoup the value of their time in fresh eggs. Said one city bureaucrat, while the amount of paperwork may seem foul, it's really straightforward and easy. Speaking Municipally is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. This week, we're going to tell you about LitFest, which is coming up, and specifically, uh, LitFest presents AuthorPods. This is a series of live shows and discussions at the intersection of writing and podcasting. It runs October 2nd to 5th here in Edmonton. It kicks off with the obviously sold-out show with Malcolm Gladwell and continues with several other events, including on October 3rd, Indigipod, which is Rick Harp and the Book Women podcast, a conversation featuring Indigenous and Métis voices in podcasting, plus some book talk. And on October 4th, Emotional Baggage, Alicia Tobin of Super Sick Podcast and Retail Nightmares and author of So You're a Little Sad, So What?, in conversation with Edmonton's Poet Laureate, Nisha Patel. You can learn about all of this and the other events at litfestalberta.org. I'm convinced Iveson is a smart person. Like, I've met and talked to him, and, like, he's got his stuff together. He's won a couple mayoral terms. He's usually the smartest guy in the room. Yeah, he's usually pretty smart. So it's always baffling to me how whenever the media quotes him, I always think, man, is this guy an idiot. (laughs) 
<laughs> was it taken out of context or was he just having an off day? It's a pattern of behavior at this point. I have never read a story that's Iveson's quoted and thought, yeah, you know, guy's got a point. We are on what, week eight of having scooters in Edmonton? And Is it week eight already? I no, no, it can't be. The The scooters dropped like right before Fringe. That was only like a month ago. Okay, we're on week four of having yeah, scooters Yeah, maybe four in or five. Uh, week eight of having them approved because that happened before they went on break. Let's put it that way. And it's going well from the point of view that lots of people are using them. And if you read the Edmonton Journal, you'll find out that there are less injuries in Edmonton than in Calgary, which means it's not zero. So I'm not sure that's a success point, I guess. Um, but people are riding on the sidewalks. Shocker. And Mr. Iveson is upset about this. Yeah. So he said some really, really interesting quotes like, quote, Users are not abiding by the rules, and providers need to be doing more to educate users about these expectations, end quote. The rules being don't ride on the sidewalk. Yeah. So I, I think there's a couple things to unpack here. First is that no one who has a brain would think anything different would happen here. Yeah. We rate limit these scooters at 19 kilometers an hour, say they're only allowed on the roads, and think, hmm. This will go fine. No one's going to ride these on the sidewalk. And you have to start and end your trip on a sidewalk because yeah. you're supposed to park it like at a bike lock up or something like that. This is the same sort of haphazard active transportation logic that our St. Albert transportation engineers planned for the entire city. We have bike lanes off our main thoroughfares and then bikes aren't allowed on sidewalks and the bike lockups are off the main strips. So you can't actually get anywhere by bike. Right. You can get most of the way and sometimes there's dead ends. And now it's the same problems for scooters. One might say, hey, maybe if we didn't fight so hard tooth and nail against putting bike lanes on our main roads like White and Jasper, this wouldn't even be an issue because the scooters would all be in a bike lane. Maybe I'm just speculating. There's been a lot of people using scooters. So I live, as you know, on 104th Street, and I can look out the window and see scooters zipping around all day long. 104th Street has pretty wide sidewalks, so I suppose there's less opportunity for collisions there. Although, having said that, there's lots of patios and other things in the way. Um, I did walk through Old Strathcona last night on a side street, and it's pretty narrow, and scooters zip by you, and, you know, there's some close calls or whatever. But for the most part... I think this is kind of rolled out the way you would expect it to. And I was a bit taken aback by his remarks. Uh, you know, the, the the tenor of the comments was almost like, we've given you permission to have scooters, but if you don't follow the rules, we're going to take them away. It's not just that the implication is there. It's that he blatantly said it. In the rapid fire segment, I don't know if you noticed all those Iveson quotes on the LRT. Sometimes I make up quotes for the rapid fire segment. Right. All of those quotes were taken from Iveson's comments about scooters. So when he said we may have to revisit the idea of having scooters in the city, that's an Iveson quote. That's what he said. If users don't self-police right. and stay off the sidewalks, then we're going to have to revisit the idea of scooters, which is just a phenomenally bad take from Iveson. We talked about this last week where the city and apparently council seems to set things up to fail in order to throw their hands up and say, oh, well, we tried. Right. And this is a clear example of that. Scooters are set up to fail with the current rule set. Calgary, of course, when they drafted their bylaws, said it is unreasonable to expect a 20 kilometer an hour scooter that's rate limited to drive on a roadway. So we ask that you use the multi-use trails and then sidewalks right. and then engage in some caution around pedestrians. Right. Because at the end of the day, if a scooter nudges a pedestrian, 
that's going to do a lot less damage than if a jacked up F-150 throws someone off a scooter. No doubt. The other part about this that kind of made me scratch my head was the wording around it being a pilot project. And so I looked into that. So uh, you'll recall from a previous episode that just before they went on summer break, council approved amendments to the parkland bylaw to make it possible for you to drive e-scooters and active transportation like, you know, bike sharing and things like that on city property. And they permit this. Uh, so there's companies like Bird and Lime that get permits to be able to to uh, offer scooters. And we talked to the city about this and they said, uh, no, it's not a pilot. The word pilot wasn't used anywhere. What they do have is a standard license agreement that these companies have to sign. It's a 40 page document. We'll link to it in the show notes. Um, and it does include a term. And so it says it will commence on whatever date they signed it and terminate on December 31st, 2019, unless otherwise terminated by the other rules. And then they can renew it for additional one year terms. So it's not a pilot, but there is a trigger point at which they could say, we're not going to renew this license or not. The other thing the city told us is that council has asked for a report back on how e-scooters have gone and the rollout. And that's due back in the first quarter of 2020. So, so after they have to approve the, the license renewal. Yeah. yeah. Council has to either approve it for another year or blindly and vitriolically say no. Well, my understanding is actually administration would be the ones to decide whether or not they renew the license, Fair right? Comment. Yeah. We can go back to council, but in any case, it's not a pilot. So sort of dangling this like, well, it's a pilot and we'll cancel it if it doesn't go well, doesn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah. Generally, I find when politicians and administration use the word pilot, it's code word for you can't get mad at us for this thing that we're doing. Right. Um, the other comment that I'll make is it is pretty insidious to have that termination end date because simply by virtue of a bureaucrat not removing this licensing or not renewing this licensing, electric scooters become illegal in Edmonton because you cannot ride a personal electric scooter. In That's Edmonton. a good point. That's a good point. Uh, you can only ride a licensed company ride share scooter. The other final comment I'll make on this is this discussion around Iveson taketh away. It's not a new phenomenon. I, if you'll think back to some of Iveson's famous snafus in terms of media commentary, the high level bridge, when the suicide barriers were right. installed, he did very much the same thing. If cyclists don't self police and go slowly, we're going to force cyclists to dismount and walk the entire way. I feel like maybe as Iveson's term has progressed, he's become a lot more dad. If you don't stop fighting, <laughs> I'm going to turn this car around. We're going to drive home. Right. That's a little bit less effective when the people performing the things are just the people living out the vision for your city. Just this is trying what to Iveson, get around. This is what Iveson campaigned on. I think this makes it clear to everyone, drivers inclusive, that we need more bike lanes. Yeah. Um, I think that's something that everyone can get on board because people are seeing these scooters everywhere and they're inconveniencing people everywhere, pedestrians and drivers alike. Yeah. I hope that this is the straw that breaks the camel's back to get more infrastructure rather than, oh, we don't have the infrastructure, therefore we cannot have these things. It needs to be the push rather than we'll take this away because we're a car city. Um, we'll move on to... Car City Topics, What go figure, you saw an ad 
by ETS this week. And I thought it was phenomenal. I thought it really got <laughs> how transit users get around. Oh, yeah, I'm sure you did. Uh, Conrad Nobert tweeted this. It's an ad for ETS. It says, I'll read the ad here. It says, heads up, phones down, so you don't miss your bus. ETS. This is just, oh, my God. So Conrad had a really great take in his tweet. He said, you know, a mock conversation. ETS manager, Phil, create a message that resonates with today's transit rider. And Phil, 57, never ridden a bus in his life. I'm on it, boss. And this is the result. And it's it perfectly encapsulates this type of ad. Like, this is clearly not made by somebody who's ever gone to a bus stop, thought the bus was supposed to be there because it's scheduled for a certain time, didn't know whether you've missed it because it's early or late, and then looks at their phone to try to figure out where the stupid bus is. Beyond the fact that, like, transit app and Google Maps and you're supposed to use your phone to navigate the bus system, right? all that aside... You're allowed to use your phone while waiting for the bus. If the problem is someone is at a bus stop on their phone and a bus stops and this person is unable to get on the bus, the bus driver can say, hey, do you want on the bus? This is a service delivery problem if that is happening all the time. It is the ad campaigns all over again where it's pedestrians have to wear reflective strips right. to cross a road. Right. It it doesn't make any sense that advertising dollars went into this and i don't i don't know what ets is thinking here i i literally don't know where this comes from yeah like who i mean the mock conversation is funny but like is that really what happened i mean it just seems bizarre to have this ad in the first place and i take transit quite a bit there's many more things i'd rather see them improve than you know encouraging people not to be on their phones like that's just insane there are drivers that will literally ignore you and go past the stop because their bus is full or they're too behind the schedule like the problem is not phones really our phones are the best way to communicate transit information and information in general sometimes that information comes from the city but if it's in the case of the wem footbridge which you'll recall was the opening to speaking municipally in our teaser trailer yeah we were talking about the disappearing WEM footbridge. It's back in the news again, only because Andrew Knack made a Facebook post about it. We got some updates. The WEM footbridge, it was torn down because WEM discovered some structural issues when they were doing some routine maintenance. The city alleged that the zoning for West Edmonton Mall required the mall to reconstruct the bridge. WEM said, nah, we don't feel like it, and the Gramesians have money, so the city kind of caved. And after a year of SDAB hearings going back and forth and uncertainty about what's going to happen, there is a temporary solution that is probably going to take place, and that's going to be a crossing on 170th Street. We don't know exactly what that looks like or how it's going to be implemented. Right. Yeah. And how do we know this? Because Andrew Knack posted on Facebook. Right. Um, And like, normally, this might be the start of something like A counselor posts on Facebook and that causes journalists to call the city, get some information, write an article. The articles about this literally just embed Andrew Knack's Facebook post into the articles as this is just the information. Right. So I can't decide if this is lazy journalism, like the other outlets just haven't bothered to call and ask somebody in administration to give some detail on where this is going or... They have tried, and the administration really doesn't know. And for whatever reason, Andrew Knack is quarterbacking this. I mean, I get it from his point of view. He's heard from constituents. He wants to be seen as, you know, listening to them and doing something active with it. And so he's posting this update so they can see that he's working on the problem. 
but it's not an election year <laughs> for one thing. Um, and surely there are other people whose job it is, is to do this communication work. Yeah, it is certainly okay for a counselor to try to keep appraised with his constituents and make yeah. sure to give them updates. But that should be comprised of like linking to a press release or a city documentation site about the project. There is no information on this project and there has not been a single city communication about it at all. It's all come exclusively through Andrew Knack. I guess we should call administration and find out. I would say the other thing, um, speaking from a journalist point of view, that might be going on here is that counselors are far more likely to answer your call and want to be quoted than somebody from administration. So if it's all about like, well, we don't have a lot of time to spend on this story. Let's go talk to somebody who's going to give us a quote. Then I can see how they'd go to the counselor for that. Although, as you said, really all they did was embed the Facebook post. They didn't even probably call him. Some journalism is required here because both you and I read this Facebook post and we had a couple questions, which are, where is it and what does it look like? And will there be sidewalks because there currently aren't? Right. For context, the Wem footbridge, it goes on the east side of 170th Street, but there's just a grassy median underneath where that old footbridge was. So if we're going to allow users to cross the road there, we need to install a sidewalk over there and we need some crossing lights underneath where the footbridge is. There are some lights, but there's no ability to cross. Are they just going to install a crosswalk and pedestrian lights there? These are not answers that we have. I mean, part of the old footbridge is still there, right? It connects into the walkway that kind of takes you down over that grassy knoll. Maybe they'll just install a ladder. (laughs) <laughs> like a like a crosswalk on the street and then you have to climb a ladder to get up there. I mean, that would be kind of cool, actually. Yeah. It wouldn't be very accessible. It, yeah. And <laughs> of course, the problem right here is about the senior's home, especially. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not it going to solve a, that problem. It would be a very Edmonton solution to the problem. Or um, a rope or something. I think there was a rope at Accidental Beach, right? Like A slide. Yeah. Um, can't go up a slide, but, you know, get a funicular. A slide and a funicular. There that, you go. That's the solution to this problem. We're going to move on. And we'll find out more details about this. Yeah, well, we we will try. Yeah, we'll try. We'll try. We're going to move on to Councillor Paquette, who I guess is the little councillor who could um, just all over the map. He really tries. He really tries. Uh, This week, he was trying about transit fines. Uh, There was a pretty viral Twitter post going around that was just like, hey, it costs $35 for a parking ticket and a transit fine is $250. Right. What's up with that? And Councillor Paquette said, you know, what is up with that? And he filed a notice of motion this week to reevaluate transit fines. He basically called for them to match what's going on with parking. He said, why should there be such a difference, such a disparity of fines for what amounts to a mobility infraction? Which, good point. Good question. Yeah. Um... I honestly don't know what I have to say about this other than, yeah, maybe it's time to stop criminalizing poverty. Yeah, I mean, that's what Paquette goes on to say, right? He says it sort of creates a tax on poverty and he says it hasn't been effective. I don't know if that's true. I will say as a transit rider, the only people I've ever seen, um, this is a this is a visually based um, anecdote, are people that are you know, look like they're a bit down on their luck or they're teenagers. Like they don't pull over businessmen and women in suits and give them fines for taking the train, right? I mean, the transit officer gets on one end and they walk through asking for tickets and, you know, they. it seems certainly like they're doing some profiling when they get on there and they find somebody. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if they're, you know, picking on people that um, are 
actually facing poverty or if my perception of what's happened is inaccurate or if Counselor Paquette is correct that it's not effective. Um, but it does seem a little bit bizarre that the fine is so much higher than it is for cars. I will say uh, I have been stopped um, at tops of escalators where just like transit popo set up yep. effectively turnstiles and check everyone. So that at least wasn't profiling. I will say that I didn't have my pass. This was when I was a student. And, and what happened to you? I didn't have my one card. And they're like, well, here's the thing. They let me off with a warning. Okay. And they put an official warning in the system. The system that also acknowledged that I had a one card sticker. So they pulled up the documentation that, oh, yeah, this guy has paid for transit. All good. But if he does this again, we're going to charge him $250. (laughs) If that's not an absurd system, I don't know what is. Because I paid for transit. They knew I paid for transit. And they were still ready to levy that $250 fine against a student. Right. Which, not poverty, but like... You know, the next level above poverty. Sure. Yeah, no doubt. Um, so and yeah, transifines not effective overall is not effective overall at a fair avoidance deterrent, because as we've seen from an auditor's report that came out a couple of weeks ago, the auditor has said we don't effectively police fare evasion. Right. Uh, this is just something that runs rampant. And Paquette would say we shouldn't. We should just make it free. He would say that. Problem goes away. Again, the counselor that could. This, of course, all might change with a smart fare system that we're supposed to be installed in 2020 because maybe we'll have turnstiles in the LRT with tap on, tap off. Maybe you won't even be able to get in without tapping on and tapping off. Except, you know, people who jump the turnstile. (laughs) Yes, yes. And for them, they might get a $35 fine. This report's going to come back and it'll be interesting to see how they set the benchmarks um, and if we don't actually see an increase in parking fines. Yeah, Uh, yeah. Do you think they're going to lower the transit fine if this goes forward or would they raise the parking fine? There's no way they lower the transit fine to $35. Uh, I think most probably the parking fine goes up to about $100. I'm cool with that. Uh, As am I. As am I. Because, and here's the thing, parking fines way more of them than transit fines yeah so that's just gonna bolster our revenue we could use all that extra money to fund free transit or better ads (laughs) uh we're gonna move on quickly to the terwilliger expressway we've done a whole episode about why this is a bad idea but we're in edmonton so bad ideas move forward what happened this week? Well, the main proponent on council, Councillor Tim Cartmel, was back in the news talking about this again. He was talking about, um, you know, rush hour traffic and how it's really consumed by turn movements. And so the traffic slows down to a crawl and doesn't go through very fast. And we talked about this before that, like, the, the number of minutes we're gaining here are pretty insignificant in the grand scheme of things. But... What council approved was this expressway idea, and there's some phasing that we've talked about. And and this week, Cartmel said this represents actually a very good sweet spot. He talks about adding the capacity we need to meet demand for the next 10 to 15 years without overbuilding and overspending on big infrastructure. So we could have gone whole hog and spent way more money on this and, and done it properly, or we could do this sort of interim thing, which is what we're doing with the expressway. And he's arguing that's a good thing because we're not wasting taxpayer dollars. So I can see why he'd position it that way, even if I don't agree. Yeah. I draw issue with your do it properly comment right there. Sure. Do it 
Edmontonianally, way maybe. more expensively. Yes, let's I, put it that way. The difference between making this a full-fledged freeway and an expressway is a full freeway would cost one point two billion dollars and take thirty years to build. An expressway, you know, it's phased out over ten to fifteen years and costs three hundred million dollars. Let's put it properly in the minds of the people who are proponents of this, because I think both of them are unnecessary. But mm-hmm. yes, um, I think the most interesting part about this comment, this sort of chain of commentary was in the debate where they approved the The, funding for the the borrowing right yeah we had one counselor speaking out against it and that was good old counselor mike nickel and always count on mike to vote no yes uh that is fun facts about mike he used to be counselor nickel we should say (laughs) (laughs) friend of the podcast fun facts about counselor nickel he's was the only counselor currently on council who got kicked off council because he lost an election and then came back. But he, before he lost to Don Iveson, uh, in his election in ward five, I think five, the downtownish ward with Brian Anderson, um, before he lost, he was well known for no voting no to everything. Yeah. And then he said when he got reelected, you know, I took some time off. I did some soul searching, I learned that, you know, my adversarial nature didn't really get things done. And I'm not that no guy anymore. And to his credit, he wasn't for about a year and a half. For a while. Yeah. And then he decided, oh, you know, I'm going to run for the UCP nomination. And he lost that. But he's kept the the angry Mike going, <laughs> prepping for his mayoral run. And he votes no to stuff now. Uh, so he voted no to the borrowing. Yeah. But his commentary when he was voting no, I thought was very indicative. He said, quote, I think I've got a bunch of what I call economic crisis deniers going right now, which we talked about this last week in our climate episode, how he was essentially feeding the climate change deniers, whether or not he believes it. He was giving a platform for climate change deniers and to sort of openly mock those who have concerns about climate change while talking about his business-focused strategy, I think is a little bit tone-deaf. and like A little. A little bit. Just a wee, slight bit tone-deaf. But they approved the borrowing, so we're building the expressway, whether Mike likes it or not. One good thing about this expressway is right now to Williger Drive, it's a haphazard series of off-ramps and on-ramps mm-hmm. with a big grassy knoll in the middle. Not great, but not... $300 million necessary to improve. Part of the expressway improvements is dedicated bus lanes. Right. This is going to allow expansion in the southwest, which is one of the fastest growing areas of the city, to be more transit focused. Maybe when we have this key corridor of you can definitely get an express bus that gets you to the LRT in 10 minutes. Right. Maybe that allows neighborhood feeder routes to thrive. And Windermere... We like to laugh at it for being on the fringes of the city, but there's some high-rise apartments there. There's some density, far more density than my core neighborhood. So if the city is really going on this nodes and corridors plan with the city plan and we're going to build a bunch of town centers around, having an expressway that links via transit, not a bad outcome. Um, Maybe just build less lanes for cars and just spend couple hundred million dollars less to build a bus lane i don't know you know what follows an express bus lane though 
LRT? Demands for park and ride. Oh, yes. Uh, I was a bit too optimistic with that LRT comment, wasn't I? Um, yeah, we're going to see some park and ride. But thankfully, Terwilliger's like outside the Hende. That's we have true. a bunch of pristine farmland we can just pave over. <laughs> <laughs> but as we said, the Terwilliger Expressway, this is approved. It's going to get built. There's nothing two podcasters in a room can do about it. There is something we can do something about, and that's funding our bank account. And AHS wants to do that for us this week. And they've put together this ad about when you should go to emergency. We asked these children if they know when to go to emergency and when there are other options. If, like, your heart stopped beating. If you were really sick. If you were super duper hurt, you'd come. They're there to treat people that are really sick or really hurt and they need attention right away. If you have an emergency, we're here to help. If it's not an emergency, you have options. Take control of your health. Call 811 or visit ahs.ca slash options. Man, we should get those kids on our podcast. They really know their stuff. No doubt. Uh, that's all for this week on Speaking Municipally. Um, we haven't checked in on Taproot in a while. What's Taproot up to? Is there anything new that people should check out? All this week, we've been doing covering Climate Now coverage. So our participation in this international climate change crisis publication initiative. And Chris Gusson, who was on our podcast last week, has been publishing little bits inside each of the roundups. You can check that out and uh, it'll be published alongside this episode. Uh, there will be a new story all about what is next for Edmonton in the climate emergency. That's great. And until next week, I'm Troy. I'm Mac. And we're Speaking Speaking Municipally. Municipally.